Chapter Twenty Three of Bow Brocade by Baroness Emma Orksey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. A daring plan. It was close on ten o'clock when they came back to earth once more. A peremptory knock at the door had roused them both from their dreams. Bathurst rose to open and there stood john stitch and mistress betty both looking somewhat flurried and guilty and both obviously brimming over with news my lady my lady cried betty excitedly as soon as she caught her mistress's eye i have just spied sir humphrey challoner at the window of the royal george just over the green yonder give me leave captain added john stitch who was busy rolling up his sleeves above his powerful arms give me leave and i'll make the rogue disgorge those letters in a trice you'd not succeed honest friend mused bathurst and might get yourself in a devil of a hole to boot nay captain asserted john emphatically tis no time now for the wearing of kid gloves i was on the green a moment ago and spied that ravenous scarecrow midichip conversing with the beetle outside the courthouse where squire west is sitting well when the beetle had gone master midichip walked across the green and went straight to the royal george be guy what does that mean captain oh ho laughed jack much amused at the smith's earnestness it means that sir humphrey challoner intends to lay information against one beau brocade the noted highwayman and to see how nice he'll look with a rope round his neck and dangling six foot from the ground an involuntary cry from lady patience however drowned the laughter on his lips tosh man he added seriously here's a mighty fine piece of work we're doing frightening her ladyship but john stitch was scowling more heavily than ever if the scoundrel should dare he muttered clenching his huge fists his attitude was so threatening and his expression so menacing that in the midst of her new anxiety lady patience herself could not help smiling beau brocade laughed outright dare he said lightly why of course he'll dare he's eager enough in the pursuit of mischief and must save the devil all the trouble of showing him the way but now he added more seriously and turning to mistress betty tell me child saw you sir humphrey clearly ay clear as daylight she retorted the old beast how was he dressed just like he was yesterday sir a brown coat embroidered waistcoat buff breeches riding boots three-cornered hat and he had in his hand a gold-headed riding crop child child cried bathurst joyfully and those bright eyes of yours have not deceived you yours will be the glory of having saved us all what are you going to do asked patience eagerly 
pit my poor wits against those of sir humphrey challoner he replied gaily i don't quite understand he came up quite close to her and tried to meet her eyes but you trust me he asked and she murmured absolutely may heaven bless you for that word he said earnestly then you will deign to do as i shall direct entirely very well then whilst friend stitch will fetch my hat for me will you write out a formal plaint signed with your full name stating that last night on the heath you were waylaid and robbed by a man whom i your courier saw quite plainly and whom you have desired me to denounce but i entreat you there's not a moment to be lost he urged taking pen ink and paper from the old-fashioned desk close by and placing them before her i'll do as you wish of course she said but what is your purpose for the present to take your ladyship's plaint over to his honour squire west at the court-house you'll be seen and recognised and not i one or two of the yokels may perhaps guess who i am but they do me no harm i entreat you do as i bid you every second wasted may imperil our chance of safety he had such an air of quiet command about him that she instinctively obeyed him and wrote out the plaint as he directed then gave it in his charge he seemed buoyant and full of hope and though her heart misgave her she managed to smile cheerfully when he took leave of her i humbly beg of you he said finally as having kissed her fingertips he prepared to go to wait here against my return and on no account to take heed of anything you may see or hear for the next half-hour and i mistake not he added with a merry twinkle in his grey eyes there will be strange doings at brassington this noon but you she cried anxiously nay i pray you have no fear for me in your sweet cause i would challenge the world and if you desired it would remain unscathed when he had gone she sighed and obedient to his wish sat waiting patiently for his return in the dingy little parlour which a while ago his presence had made so bright it was at this moment that master Midichip, after his interview with the beadle was in close conversation with sir humphrey challoner at the royal george outside the inn bathurst turned to john stitch who had closely followed him how's my jack-o'-lantern he asked quickly as fresh as a daisy captain replied the smith i've rubbed him down myself and he has had a lovely feed that's good you have my saddle with you oh ay i knew you'd want it soon enough jack-o'-lantern carried it for you himself bless his art along with her ladyship and mistress betty then do you see at once to his being saddled friend and bring him along to the court-house as soon as may be hold him in readiness for me so that i may mount at a second's notice 
you understand yes captain i understand that you are running your head into a damned noose and easy easy friend remember nay i'll not forget for whose sake you do it but you are at a disadvantage captain with only one good arm nay friend rejoined bathurst lightly there's many a thing a man can do with one arm he can embrace his mistress or shoot his enemy the sleepy little village of brassington lay silent and deserted in the warmth of the noonday sun as bathurst having parted from john stitch hurried across its narrow streets as he passed quickly through the outer passage of the pack-horse he had caught sight of a few red coats at the dingy bar of the inn and presently when he emerged on the green he perceived another lot of them over at the royal george yonder but at this hour the worthy soldiers of his majesty king george were having their midday rest and their customary glasses of ale and were far too busy recounting their adventure with the mysterious stranger at the forge to the gaffers of brassington to take heed of any one hurrying along its street and thus bathurst passed quickly and unperceived the one or two yokels whom he met gave him a rapid glance only the women turned round as he went along to have another look at the handsome stranger with one arm in a sling outside the courthouse he came face to face with master inch whose pompous dignity seemed at this moment to be severely ruffled hey sir hey he was shouting and craning his fat neck in search of master mitichip who had incontinently disappeared the court is determinating squire west will grant you the interview which you seek lud preserve me he added in noble and gigantic wrath i do believe the impious malapert was trying to fool me sending me on a fool's errand me jeremiah inch beadle of this parish bathurst waited a moment or two until the worst of the beadle's anger had cooled down a little then he took a silver crown from his pocket and pushed past the worthy into the precincts of the house the interview you've arranged for friend he said quietly will do equally well for her ladyship's courier master inch was somewhat taken off his balance mitichip's disappearance and this stranger's impertinence had taken his breath away before he had time to recover it bathurst had pressed the silver crown into his capacious palm now tell squire west friend he said with that pleasant air of authority which he knew so well how to assume that i am here by the command of lady patience gascoigne and am waiting to speak with him master inch was so astonished that he found no word either of protest or of offended dignity he looked doubtfully at the crown for a second or two weighed it in his mind against the problematical half-crown 
promised by the defaulting attorney and then said majestically i will impart her ladyship's cognomen to his honour myself the next moment jack bathurst found himself alone in a small private room of the court-house looking forward with suppressed excitement to the interview with squire west which in a moment of daredevil madcap frolic yet with absolute coolness and firm determination he had already arranged in his mind End of chapter twenty three